someone I know with endometriosis, she, when she was a teenager, she used to get really painful periods and she'd say to her mum, my periods are really painful and her mum would be like, oh, that's just a period. So they didn't know any better. Later she found out it was really bad endometriosis and she had to get surgery for it. Welcome back to the Forever Young Podcast, a Chinese medicine podcast hosted by Chinese medicine graduates. We release episodes every week on a Thursday. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe or follow us to keep up to date with our newest uploads. I'm Brendan, and I'm joined by my three co-hosts. I've got Charlie. Hello. Nick. Hey, guys. What's going on? And Timmy. Hey, yo. Uh, B, can you say Forever Young just once more? Forever Young? In your intro, you're like, welcome back to the Forever Young podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, when I, I get nervous, dying. I go ultimate Aussie. I tell you. I was dying. It was just, it was so Aussie. I was like, wait, oh. let me, wait, hold on. Let me, try and, let me try and read it in my announcer voice. Welcome back to the Forever Young podcast. Oh, I do. do it. I do. Welcome back I to do. the Forever Young podcast. Forever Young. <laughs> it, it, it sticks out. It, do sticks, like a, it, it does stick out like a sore thumb. It now everybody's going to listen to him and be like, oh, "That's that's the bit." <laughs> now, now I'm going to listen to that's myself. The bit they come. That's the bit they come to. They hear that. Ah, that's enough. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we put our ads at the start. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. If anybody's looking to uh, promote their business, the start of our podcast. That's where it's at. That first. Definitely. That first three minutes. Prime prime spot. Yeah, everyone wants to hear that y- that yang. The Forever Yang podcast. <laughs> oh, sounds so harsh to my ears right now. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, um, God. Yeah. I, what's on the menu today? What's on the menu? Are we getting straight into it? Or do you guys want to talk about something else? No, you had something to say. What were you about to say? I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, choosing different acupuncture points and sort of going not out of your comfort zone, but choosing points that you might not think about. Because I've got a patient at the moment and, you know, I was laying down the other day thinking about, you know, how to how to treat him and how to sort of battle some of his the issues that he's got. Um and, you know, I was trying to think and what come to mind was the the window of heaven points that can be sometimes underutilized and just not thought about very often. So yeah, have you guys had an experience with these or use these often? I think as a general I think as a general there's like a lot of points that cover a wide spectrum of conditions. So that's what a lot of, that's the more, more commonly used, your something 36, your spleen six, your spleen nine and all that. That's, but that's then pretty much what I give to everybody. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a spleen six, stomach 36, do 20 combination, uh, large intestine four. It's, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure 11. if it's just like, I don't use large intestine 11 too much. Um, don't see too much heat signs, but I don't know if it's just like the people I'm seeing, um, or what's going on, but that's just like, phew, you need this to start and then we'll see where we get to from there. Yeah. I think that's, that's how I usually structure it. If I see them the first time, it's usually just the, the general points. And then, um, I go, I get a little bit more adventurous and start the not as typical, start to use the non, not as typical acupuncture points because they tend to be really specific to like a certain thing like one's really good for endometriosis and things like that <laughs> that that was not that was not intentional segue it's just on your mind it was um, yeah no i'm just thinking god yeah, 26 and that comes back to like you know using those window of heaven points um 
And what I was going to do after we finish up here, I was I was going to whip up whip out my Peter Dedman uh, manual of acupuncture and have a look at those points and you know really think about it because you know he's coming in tomorrow uh, for some treatment. So I was going to start to think about those, you know, which one is sort of the best one and how to use them effectively because I I personally love lung three, uh, which is just on the upper arm there. Uh, yeah, you taught me that bicep. one. You did. You did teach me that one. I actually really like it. I I love that point. Um, it's it's one of my all time favorite points. Um, and it just seems to every time, every time I give it to somebody that really needs it, I'll walk out of the room, go get a drink or whatever, come back, and I just notice that, you know, they're like crying, because <laughs> they're just so like all that emotional build up has just been released, and you know I come back oh, and wow. You know, I'm taking out needles and they, they say to me, and it's happened on like a, a few occasions. It's happened to me, they said, as soon as you put that one in or like, you know, as soon as all of the acupuncture points were in and I was just, just relaxed, just flew out of me. You know, it just released that, all that energy and all that, all that build up that I had. And I just feel so, you know, relaxed and calm. And so, you know, I always come back to that. Lung three, I don't. What think do you? That what is do you use? Going to use no, but what what do you use lung three for? That invokes so much like response. Well, the indication and something that's always stuck to me is lung three because it's like the upper jowl. It's you know uh, connected to the lungs, connected to that dispersing, descending functions. Uh, it's it's associated with your head up in the clouds. So when you feel like you know your head is detached from your body and you just can't bring it down. You feel like you're not grounded at all. Um, those type of things. Needling lung three because it's in the upper. I can just, you know, sort of bring your head down. I don't think it's the real connection, but I also associate like lung with air, with clouds, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, ballpark stuff. But yeah, it's it's... That's it's pretty cool. my biggest it? indication. Yeah, yeah. But those window heaven points or the window sky points or whatever you want to call them, they're really good for connecting connecting the body back to the mind and opening up that channel again and helping the chi flow, you know, freely. Is that the role of the heaven, uh, the heaven points, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah window of heaven. Yeah. Window of heaven, yeah. window, window of sky, heaven. Window of sky, window of heaven, mm-hmm. whichever. Yeah. That's something that yeah. I, that's that's lost me. <laughs> to be completely they're not, honest, they're not the most common points. No, nah, I don't think so. I haven't heard of it too much. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, like Tom was saying the other week about using C cleft points and things like that. Um, going out of going out of your comfort zone, and sort of exploring points that might not be used so often, but can be quite vital. Yeah, I, I see that. I do see large that a intest- lot. Uh, liver, eleven or 13? 11, 13? I think it's the um, the one liver fourteen the 11th, is pretty commonly used. The one near the eleventh rib, so it must be thirteen, mm. um, which connects the liver and spleen really well. I used uh-huh. that one the other day as well, which is not a common point that I use. Um, so That's pretty good, man. How'd you get? Th- where'd you get the idea from using that type of point? Uh, thir- liver thirteen. Yeah. I was just sitting down, um, looking at this guy's case, and sort of thinking about another way that I can access, you know another way that I can treat, another way I can access the spleen and liver at the same time. Uh, I also 
I was also doing a back treatment for for him at the that time. Uh, so I did a lot of the back shoe points with the electro, uh, some ear points, and threw in that um, that one there. So. Oh wow, that is that is pretty good. That is yeah. Oh, here's a question for you, Nick. Now that you you've got your own clinic, how how often do you use like extra stuff? So like Moxa. Oh, I don't think you have Moxa, do you? No. Well, I share I share a a space with some other podiatrists. Um, so I haven't. I haven't gone down the route of Moxa yet. Um, there's some patients that I have that could probably benefit, mm-hmm. would benefit from it, um, but I haven't sort of gone down that route yet. Uh, but I use Electro all the time, um, pretty much on yeah. every patient that I see, as long as it's not, as long as I don't have any implants or pacemakers or anything. Um, I use Electro on them. I use it all the time. I've just I've only got the little one. Uh, that you can buy from Acu Needs uh, with the oh two yeah. leads. Yep. I've only got that one to start off with, uh, but yeah, I love it. I use it all the time. It's mm. cool. Okay, well, shall we roll into our into our topic? Because this is a pretty big topic. And I know we did spend ten minutes talking about random some. stuff. Talk about some. <laughs> all right. Well, um, is it this week? This week coming up? Uh, this month. This month, month, it's a month. month. It's important so, enough to have a month. Yes, a whole, a whole month That's dedicated. Very important. Very important. Charlene, month. did you want to introduce uh, what's going on this month? Okay, so this month is Endometriosis Awareness Month. And um, if you follow other actors or um, people in health, you would have seen their um, posts about it. So do you guys know anyone personally with endometriosis? Yes, indeed. Tom. <laughs> nope. Yes, I do. Yeah. I know do. I know someone. <laughs> you yes. do. For so it's a pretty, I guess, common condition. And it happens when... So the endom- endometrio... I can't say that word. Endometrium. Yeah. Grows outside the noise, which is the womb. And it can lead to things like pain. Um, and often there is no symptoms at all, which is why it's kind of difficult to diagnose and why it needs its own awareness month. Um, so I've got some... So what... Oh, sorry, just to elaborate on that. So what is the The lining of the uterus. I don't Did remember. Did you say that? <laughs> Did I? I did now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Your, your answer was... Uh, <laughs> like you had said it before. No, no, so no. I was like, I, oh, that maybe was I wasn't a, listening. But yeah. Yeah, that's what it is in my mind. And maybe you were thinking of some, like, maybe you wanted to elaborate that more on that. No, I just wanted to clarify that, yeah, what the endometrium was. Just make sure we got all of the picture. So, symptoms. Take it away, Charlene. Sorry. So, symptoms um, sometimes include pelvic pain. Um, irregular periods, fertility, and um, yeah, as I said before, sometimes there's no symptoms at all. Sometimes it can affect the bowels and the bladder and muscles, um, and basically your mental health as well is a big thing related. Um, So it's reported to cost the Australian society $9.7 billion annually, um, and approximately two point five billion being care costs, and yeah, I feel like so that's a lot. Yeah, 
That is definitely a lot of money. And this one's this one's actually kind of surprising, but not really. More than eight hundred thousand. So ten percent of Australian women suffer from endometriosis at some point in their life, and it often starts in teenagers. Did you say over eight hundred thousand women? Uh, eight hundred and thirty thousand Australian women. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Ten percent of women, more. That is a yes. lot. Yeah, that is yeah. that is a lot. So you know, one in ten, one in ten women that you know will more than likely suffer from endometriosis. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys know about um, endometriosis, like, in terms of like personally, how's it affected you guys? I I know that it's serious and. Yeah, um, not to be so cutthroat, but it sucks. Um, you know, I'm on it. Obviously, I'm not a woman, um, so I don't, I don't know the. <laughs> what were you going to say there, Tom? <laughs> 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 I was going to say absolutely nothing. Um, so you know, I don't, I don't know the full understanding of how painful and how you know bad it can be um, to be a woman with endometriosis. You definitely feel for these women um, that are going through quite a quite an awful time. Um, a lot of them, you know, dread the time that their period's coming, um, and or take the pill to make sure their period doesn't come, just just to stop the pain or to minimize minimize the pain. It, you know, it doesn't necessarily stop the pain. Uh, they go through, you know, quite quite big things in their life to to manage that um and you know that that even goes to taking time off work because you know they're in such pain that they can't concentrate or you know they just can't sit at work or do their daily job and so it's you know it's quite a massive thing um it's, you know, it's I, I know personally yeah. it, to take me sort of out of my job it must be quite quite bad um, you know, I'm not going to take off work. I'm not going to take off my livelihood for nothing. And I know that a lot of women affected will take time off work and will take time out of their livelihood. You know, and if if that is sacrificing, you know, um, theoretically, if that's sacrificing food off their table, that's what they'll do because they, you know, that's that's just, they just how can't bad do it. it is. Yeah, that's yeah, it. they can't they can't conduct what they usually do every day. Yeah, it's crazy because like um, endometriosis, I mean, there's a whole month devoted to it, but it does make me realize that, yeah, there aren't actually a lot of people that talk about endometriosis on a daily basis. You know, talking about, you know, anything related to your period is pretty taboo uh, generally um, ish. Uh, I feel like we should be more open about it. And it's actually really good that there's a whole um, endometriosis aware awareness month that's just devoted to getting the word out and to, it's like getting people to talk about it that it's normal and if, if it is if, if you're suffering from endometriosis just to get help get that diagnosis uh, get that treatment um i think i think we mentioned uh, nick you you have an idea that western medicine doesn't do too much ish i don't really know the western medicine treatment so i can't say so i only know from experience from patients so what, what's a what 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 goes down for a uh, patient that um that suffers from endometriosis on the Western medicine side. Um, the the only the only experience that I've seen is that most doctors will um, put them on the pill or some form of the contraceptive pill to help regulate the period, 
um, and that's and regulate the pain. That's pretty much the crux of it. So just painkillers and your contraceptive pill. Oh. Yeah, um, I think what's also important is there's no real cure for endometriosis. So basically, um, with the pill, the doctors, from what I understand, are trying to regulate the hormones and to kind of stop that growth of the endometriosis um, and uh, endometrium outside of where it's supposed to be. So that's if you get diagnosed early and um, that's one of the options or else a lot of the time it's surgery, which is pretty invasive. And even after surgery, there's no guarantee that the endometriosis won't come back. So I guess Western medicine is a bit of a band-aid fix and it's not actually like a cure as such. It's something that they live with for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and worst case scenario, they just uh, they take the lot and do a ablation. Hysterectomy. I was just thinking no. that. Oh, is this hysterectomy or oh yeah, ablation okay. is where they go in and burn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that because that's that's also they also can uh, reduce the pain. Um, yeah. I remember, and and it's it's a, that like to help yourself from the endometriosis and just go for either ablation or hyster- hysterectomy, right? No, what, no, no. What was the question? How, subver- how <laughs> no. severe it is. Uh, yeah, just because of how... Like, I, feel, I, I don't know if I was saying the right word. Um, yeah, just because the pain is so severe, you have to literally just... The only solution is not is just to take it out or, like, numb yourself of the pain, essentially. Um, it's a pretty big deal. Um, but luckily, what what's great from what we've all seen and, you know, treated and stuff is that Chinese medicine actually does do a considerable, considerable amount for... Um, cases of endometriosis. I think we've all seen a patient of endome- with endometriosis here and there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That takes it back to Chinese medicine being able to treat the symptoms um, and removing that, the the stigma of Western medicine terms like endometriosis and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, Chinese medicine has a lot to offer when you when we break it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you sorry, just before we jump into like the whole Chinese medicine side of side of things, do you guys generally see um a lot of patients that just really just put it down to painful periods? They don't say they have endometriosis. They're just oh, I've just got a lot of just of a severe case of dysmenorrhea. Do you see that more often more than them saying, oh, I have endometriosis? Yes. Um, especially in I guess teenagers or young girls that are just getting their periods and they don't really know what a painful period is. Um, Someone I know with endometriosis, when she was a teenager, she used to get really painful periods and she'd say to her mum, my periods are really painful and her mum would be like, oh, that's just a period. So they didn't know any better. Later she found out it was really bad endometriosis and she had to get surgery for it. So a lot, I think it's still um, relatively new or, like you said before, not spoken about, that people just think it's um, a bad cramp or something like that. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that the, was, oh, sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, <laughs> you go. No, it's all you. thing too. Yeah. <laughs> We're both, common, both in just like... Is, yeah, that is... <laughs> uh, what just I was going like, say is... Combo just straight up intense agreement, like joined together. That's, it. That's, it. <laughs> That's a team effort. Uh, what I was going to say was that it is quite common to associate periods with pain and that that doesn't really have to be the way. 
Um, and especially, you know, when we learnt all about it in Chinese medicine in class, it was that, you know, this is sort of not the normal um, and that's ingrained into the Western medicine ideology. I can't say that word today. I've tried to say it twice now. Ideology. You've had a me moment. Yeah. Anyways, it's, it's grained into that, um, that periods are associated with pain and that's the way it is. And you're just going to have to put up with it and sort of get on with it. Um, but yeah, it, it, endometriosis obviously again comes with the diagnosis and actually actually having the endometrium cells growing outside the endometrium uh, which you know in ev- any case is the western medicine thing but yeah bring that back to chinese medicine we we again treat the symptomology um and yeah depending well, I, I, on how they I present don't, i don't blame some um girls for like not really going to get checked because even if they do like even if they get diagnosed with endometriosis it's like then what you know like you you get you get your your monthly painful periods and all that and then a doctor just tells you oh you actually have endometriosis there's no there's from what i know anyway there's not really much of a um a treatment plan action plan there's more just like monitor and just see how we go kind of thing um so i don't really blame people for getting for not really getting checked or really um uh, knowing about it so much um but at the same time if you do look into alternate uh, alternate um alternate treatments alternative? Yeah, I, I was gonna say alternative but then it grammatically didn't make sense so i changed medicine? the alternate because i know alternative medicine or i was gonna say alternate treatments because then alternative medicine is like a whole umbrella anyway Besides that, besides that, I call myself alternative medicine. Eh, yeah, I do too. Hey, man, no, we we also mainstream. All right. <laughs> well, alternative doesn't have to be non-mainstream. Alternative is like I the way it's I not- see the definition of alternative is just different to what you've got. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an alternative yeah. option. You can have many options. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I guess. Anyway. It's like allied health, like chiros and physios and osteos. They're, they're all just an alternative option. <laughs> yeah. No, I associate alternative medicine as like the, oh, you know, the medicine you might try, but you're definitely going to try Western medicine because it's normal kind of thing. That's how I associate yeah. it in my brain. Anyway. That's anyway, what I was saying is like, you, uh, if you, if you have your diagnosis and then you look into more alternative medicine, um, <laughs> if, if you look into it more, then, um, it, you get more options than you do like from a Western medicine side. And like Nick said, you do your whole, you do your, like your painkillers and, um, your contraceptive pill to control when and time and everything. Um, but with alternate, uh, with alternative medicine, you can also treat it like using acupuncture, using herbs and things like that, which we'll probably delve into probably now, unless you guys have anything <laughs> else to say. <laughs> Right. Probably, yeah, no. yeah. Um hmm? Yeah, I think I think that is it is a good time to start to talk about Chinese medicine. Well, there you go, there you go. All right. So, so <laughs> somebody walks into your clinic. Uh yeah, somebody walks into your clinic and says, I got endometriosis. What are you gonna do about it? Yeah, cool. <laughs> what are you gonna right. do about it? What what are your where does your mind go? Mm, all right. Well, I feel I feel like that, <laughs> as we say, 
every single time we encounter a case is we gotta it depends on the condition <laughs> no it depends on what's going on like on the inside whether the, all right uh, so before we before we go to the condition yes let's uh, i want to try an experiment here let's break this down as if you know saw the patient's in front of us. So what questions are we thinking about? What type of questions? Yeah, what what type of questions are we going? What's what's in that chief complaint stuff? Um what's your psych? Uh, I think pa- I think for me pain would be a big thing. Oh, sorry, did I cut you off, Charlene? Sorry. Hello? I was just going to say what's your cycle oh, like? Yeah. Um regular, irregular, um yeah, and then you were talking about pain? Yes, yes. I think distinguishing it, like, depending on how they know they have endometriosis, like, if they got it, like, diagnosed or whatever. But pain is normally, like, one of the first symptoms that they may experience to be like, oh, maybe you do have endometriosis or maybe it's just related to menstrual menstruation and stuff like that. So, when you say pain, what what type of, um, what type of pain are we looking for? Well, what type of pain would you expect? Uh, well, I would expect... Oh, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say lower abdominal pain and it's normally more of a sharp pain. Um, yeah. What about you, Tom? What were you going to say? No, I agree. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, what about... what? So what are, what are the symptoms and signs are we looking for? What other questions are we asking? Um, we've we've covered sort of cycle and if it's irregular or regular. We've covered some pain stuff, looking for the sharp pain, sharp type of pain. Um, what else? What else we're we looking for? I guess from a Chinese medicine point of view, we're not just treating the endometriosis, so we'd want to know, I guess, um, if there are any other pains in the body. Also, their lifestyle, so diet, exercise. Um, just the general 10 question stuff so we get an idea of i guess from chinese medicine what's causing the pain rather than just the western medic western medicine diagnosis um so when you say you you you're looking at the whole body and you're looking for more pain uh it might be a bit of a you know deeper question but why why do you go pain um you know, we've talked about the period pain, but why are you looking for more pain around the body? Um, sort of I like just talk us through like diagnosis in your mind. Yeah, and stuff. I think if they're experiencing like back pain, it gives you a bit of an idea of what other organs are involved, um, or like bloating. I guess I don't know if you classify bloating as pain, but there's different organs involved with different pain, as well as different types of pain in the in certain areas. So um, for someone with the lower abdominal pain plus some lower back pain, I definitely look at the kidneys um, and see how their um, lifestyle is with that. And yeah. Um, yeah, so you're trying to break it down um, and find out sort of what organs are involved um, or what, you know, what your final diagnosis is going to be. That's. It, I'm sort of just trying to target this towards, um, target this towards, like students listening or you know people coming into, into Chinese medicine, um, and sort of why we ask these questions, and sort of what we're thinking. 
Um, see, for me, for me with the whole pain thing, um, I'm sort of looking for more of that stagnation as well as obviously as well as the the other organ aspect. Um, but I'm looking for that stagnation. I'm looking for blood clots as well. <laughs> Not looking for them, but <laughs> asking about them. <laughs> Asking about blood clots, asking about other pains, asking about stresses, uh, trying to get you know, trying to see what's what's behind this, um, yeah. And I think I think maybe something that's more that's really important when you're looking at a, a patient with endometriosis. I feel like constitu- constitution, so the chi and blood levels of that actual patient, and trying to use utilize things to observe that, like your pulse and looking at the complexion and their stature and all that. Um, I feel like that becomes pretty important when looking at a case like this, mainly because um, when we're looking at constitution, uh, sorry, when we're looking at something that's period related, it does boil down to their constitution and, how, and their growth and things like that. And if you just look at their, com- their complexion and all those tell signs of like either a blood deficiency or blood stagnation or chi deficiency or whatever, um, if you, t- if, you, if you look at those signs, you get you get a, get a picture of how what their constitution is like, and then you can pinpoint where where they're lacking or where they're where they're deficient or and things like that. I think I feel like it, it's a good indication. Yeah, that's yeah, you're definitely right. Um, and you know, Chinese medicine is a holistic medicine, so we got to remember that we are treating the whole body. Uh, you know, we're not we're not going for that band aid fix. We're trying to treat it and help your body treat itself. And that's that's the core of Chinese medicine. So yeah, the yeah. the constitution and I normally I normally associate um endometriosis and sort of maybe less endometriosis and maybe more PCOS, but I I still associate those with um sort of being slightly overweight. Uh at you know, at, at you struggle to lose weight when you have these these hormone imbalances. Your body's sort of all over the shop, um, so yeah, I I associate. 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 Hey, you a little bit hungry then. Someone's Nick? hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I associate them. You know, I associate that term with being more overweight. Um, you know, and if you say you have a phone consultation or you you're talking to somebody over the phone and they're they're you know trying to book an appointment or whatever, and you ask them a few questions about what they're coming in for or their lifestyle, you know, just general chit chat you automatically start to paint this picture and that's coming back to that constitution b um you know what type of picture are you painting in your head what are you going to expect what are you looking for and then when they come in if they're similar to that picture or not similar to that picture you're sort of you're already ruling out things and ruling in things you've already got that ball rolling before they've even stepped into your clinic um obviously it's a bit harder if they book online but yeah, it's all about getting that getting that diagnosis happening sort of, you know, straight away and and it makes makes for your consultations really easy. Um and just funneling those questions down. You know what you're looking for, you know what you're gonna ask next. And if you know, when the patient starts to open up and starts to talk more, you can say, you know, look, that what you just said there, you know, falls right into what I'm thinking. And and I I use a common, I don't know if it's a technique or whatever, but I commonly say to my patients, like, look, everything you're saying makes sense. And you know, it falls into this picture that I'm painting in my head of your diagnosis. Um, 
and it brings some brings some ease to the patient because you know they they often go to not to c- call out Western medicine again, but they often go to Western medicine and they're not given many answers. Yeah, they feel lost at that point. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, they feel like they're sort of out on their own um, and don't have much much left. And coming to us, and we say, "Yeah, look, like I I think you're you know totally right with whatever you're saying, um, and all your all of your symptoms match the symptoms that I'm looking for with this type of diagnosis, and we have options." You know, we can give you a treatment plan and we can give you some acupuncture and, you know, I'm optimistic about your health. It's, it's the journey, it's, it's all about the journey. Yeah. And it links to what you said earlier about how, um, how endometriosis and all, all of that, it does, it is heavily affected by your emotions and by the stresses and things like that. So for a patient to come in and for them to hear that, you know, what's going on. Um, and to have that control and that little emotional kind of like reassurance, I feel like that's actually pretty important when it comes to treating a patient. That, yeah, especially um, with something as chronic, like a chronic condition such as endometriosis that can be quite you know, life debilitating. Um, yeah. Know, it's, it's a very <laughs> important step to, to be reassured about their health and to think that, you know, there is some options left. Um, it's you touched about on educating. You touched on something that was really important, and I actually, um, I was actually pretty interested about it. How how you mentioned that there is a correlation between, uh, you know, seeing a patient that's overweight and them also having PCOS and endometriosis, uh, yeah, uh, those conditions. And then you mentioned how uh, you had your, uh, it's usually due to the hormone ba- imbalance, and it makes it hard for people to. Um, makes it hard for people to actually lose weight and things like that and i never really put two and two together but i'm like oh wait actually yeah that that does that does make sense um so uh, it's it's a good thing to look out for especially um all, all the signs all the signs and everything from the um from your just how you, your life essentially just trying to really pinpoint what's going on if if you if any of the listeners happen to um have missed they might possibly might have endometriosis or oh, can't even speak. Um, then it might open the eyes a little bit, which is pretty good. Yeah. You know, it comes back to um, having a lifestyle and remembering that everything in our body is connected. Yeah. And yeah. Tom, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw this in because it's not really relevant, but uh, a little bit of a technical difficulty on my end is why I was laughing because my internet's not the best. And as soon as he was uh, as soon as he was, as soon as he was like, "Oh, I noticed you mentioned" and then he just went quiet <laughs> for like the whole bit and then he came yeah. back and then he was talking and I was like, "Okay. Uh, I hope he's not asking a question cuz didn't hear any of it." <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no. I was wondering why so cuz I was like it happened again. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe it's just me wondering for something and i don't know what it's wondering maybe for. it's just me maybe it's my internet i have i have great internet guys but uh, i also have, I don't, uh, who, knows? who knows it's probably my internet i'm not gonna lie i'm not i'm not trans- transmitting to you guys as well but uh, yeah um the the hormone imbalance and the overweight thing um it's yeah all connected something to look out for yeah um let's jump into some treatments because we've got we've got a little bit of time left let's jump into some treatments um 
Uh, do you have... I, I, I've been clicking my tongue a lot, Nick, so I'm sorry you have to edit this and you can hear a lot of going on. Yeah, anyway. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All right, sweet. Um, let's jump into some treatments. So we'll probably look into... What do you guys want to do? Accu or herbs first? Let's do Accu first. All right, Accu, Accu. So can you think of any points to top of your head that's pretty good for endometriosis type things? So um, for me, with endometriosis, I want to move that blood and just kind of get things moving again. So I'd use things like um, Spleen 10 and um, even Zigong Shui and CV4 just to kind of regulate the period and get things moving as well as um spleen eight as well as a good menstrual point um yeah, yeah. Get it moving moving the blood mm. is probably yeah. um a good one um did we mention the diagnosis wise of chinese medicine did we syndromes and stuff uh, yeah no we haven't not yet oh we'll, we'll touch on We've that just covered some blood stag yeah okay some stagnation well yeah usually well i think charlene like briefly like dipped out we dipped our toes into it a little bit um i think from memory uh the diagnosis for most for some endometriosis um type conditions is your like your blood stag your blood deficiency the kidney deficiency uh liver 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 cheese stag are we we gonna go there would you say uh possibly yeah liver cheese stag's a big thing yeah, yeah. It, it does, it, it usually trails off to a couple other things like a liver cheese stag affecting um, the kidney or spleen or whatever. So it's usually a pathway. Um, so we can't really hone in on one uh, one organ sometimes. Um, but it's uh, it's good to consider most of it because it's all it's all a pathway. I mean, we, we know that from, I'm probably pretty sure y'all know that from a, uh, studying i guess if you guys are studying anyway um so symptom symptom sim, no not symptoms uh syndrome and diagnosis is pretty down pat knowing that treatments uh what other treatments would you use uh, would you use for example moxa uh, yeah definitely moxa especially over the lower abdomen and just um i think for most women heat packs help with pain um that's very general kind of statement there, but um, the box will bring the heat and get um, the blood moving as well. So it's good to relieve pain with moxa. Yeah, using that to um, move the blood and chi is can be quite useful, uh, especially like leading up to the period, sort of the week before, when you sort of really want to move and I call it like flush out, but when you really want to get rid of all that stagnation and sort of get rid of it all um that's that's sort of why um i when talking about treatment plans and stuff like that we want to see patients for you know that first three month cycle and see what's going on um and see the changes and then uh, personally you know then we can push it out and extend it to fortnightly treatments and monthly treatments and things like that but really work on those first three three months with us, um, I feel is quite important. Yeah, especially if it's um a long term if it's a long term condition, it's probably it's it is pretty important to have the treatment a prolonged treatment, um, over like maybe a 
like Nick said, maybe two or three months. Um, because if you, if it does stem back to all the way to when you're a teenager, uh, which is probably a little bit common, then it's a little bit harder to, you know, dig out and get and really nail it in the, in the bud. What about, yeah. What about some herbs? Um, because True. I, personally, I think herbs are really good before and after for when people, I guess, can't come in for acupuncture. They're kind of doing things themselves and kind of being proactive about vision. So um, what are some herbs or some formulas that you would prescribe? Oh, I can't really think of... Oh, I'm, I'm always terrible with herbs. My first sort of thought and especially like finding ballpark herbs is uh shreifu juu tongue oh i was gonna say that you stole my only one <laughs> sorry bud. damn it yeah that's that's just first where my mind goes um but yeah moving that chi and blood but in good tom spirit uh, you definitely got to treat the condition <laughs> <laughs> no uh looking looking at that it, it, i like like we just said yeah it depends on the condition but the two categories that i usually base it on is either you need to move that stagnation or we need to tonify something deficient so um it's either you know you're bad oh wait oh, are you about to say something charlene i was but you can too Okay, no, because I, I don't know, is bhajan tongue a little bit too harsh for someone that is suffering endometriosis? Uh, it's tonic. It's no, I, I think tonifying. If, so yeah, exactly. I think what I was going to say is you need to look at um, where they are in their cycle as well, it, especially with gynae conditions. Yeah. So um, like Nick was saying, a week before you think you're about to get your period, it's good to get in and get things and try and... Um, I guess get ahead of the pain whereas after your period after you've been bleeding you want to build back up as well um so it i think that's why it's important for the two or three months to be a little bit more long term in your treatment so that we can assess all of your cycle and not just the period part of cool the bleed part yeah if you could make that into a um into a little picture tom for the show notes um the the treating you know treating the the moving side before the period and then you know during the period sort of let things go um and then afterwards we want to tonify and then build up the yin and we're building it up to ovulation but the four phases we want to move yes yeah yeah that was a that's a Uh, really good reference i feel like uh should be considered every time you treat someone that's it has anything got to do with period related whether it's um endometriosis or dysmenorrhea amenorrhea like i feel like referencing that um the four stages the four phases sorry um is definitely a really important one uh, yeah for sure uh i think for me some of the herbs i would like to add as well like based on the symptomology would be like um pain so maybe adding like yen hu or like tao ren to whatever formula you choose can help just reduce some of the pain that they might be experiencing yeah, um, yeah. Honing- also if they're oh. if, if, if they're bleeding sorry B, no, 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 um, if they're bleeding i think probably aim to stop the bleeding first before treating every, anything else in yeah terms if they've of got the like patient. prolonged if they've got like prolonged periods or anything like that um yeah you're definitely right but that can also lead on to the other side of periods. This is a massive thing is uh, fibroids and having like cysts and, you know, s- stuff like that, which is quite as- commonly associated with uh, long-term bleeding, um, which is 
obviously leading to like blood deficiencies and things like that. So yeah, stopping the period with something like sunshi, um, although it's really expensive, can be you know really good. Yeah, that's. I think that's when you start looking at the spleen too, because the spleen can't hold um, hold the blood in into the body. So then you get like a lot of your uh, what do you call it uh, when it's prolonged period? I forgot what the word is. Prolonged period. Uterine bleeding. Uterine bleeding. Let's go with that. I'm. I'm going to believe that. Is it? Is it? You have a very unsure face there, Nick. There is a term. Yeah, it's it's left me. It's not menorrhagia. Uh, oh no, it's got. Oh, it's, Amenorrhea is no period. No period. Dysmenorrhea is pain. Ah, it's killing me. Oh, it's killing me. I think I think it is menorrhagia. Menorrhagia. I don't know how to pronounce it. Menorrhagia. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, it's... Oh, no. Uh, more you about to say, Charlene? Sorry. I was going to cut you off and say, while you're trying to think of the term, um, can we discuss some lifestyle, I guess, um, lifestyle things that you can do before after during your period is that in the last like few minutes yeah can we (laughs) avoid cold avoid cold at all costs um avoid what um, sir so that is cold tom avoid cold (laughs) (laughs) we'll do i will do that thank you i'm writing especially like leading up to your period can we clarify that is not just cold weather, but cold foods and cold drinks rather cold than everything. just like, yeah. don't cold. go outside, it's cold. But like, yeah. Don't go outside either. <laughs> just don't go out. Just don't, just don't go anywhere. Just stay in your bed no. the whole time. That's it. Oh, oh, no. Bed with a heat pack is not a bad way to go. Bed with a heat pack. Don't do anything strenuous while you have your period because, man, that'll drain you. That, I feel like that'll really like put you, put you in a place where you have nothing... No, no fuel in the tank, you know. Something, I, another interesting thing out of China was um, how how these aspects of Chinese medicine are like built into their lifestyle. Uh, they know whether they know Chinese medicine or not. They know, you know, the f- the females from quite a young age that once they're getting their period, um, to once it's coming up to avoid these cold things, don't eat ice cream and. You know, don't eat bubble tea. And yeah, wash, stuff like washing that. your hair. I think it is. Yeah, yeah like washing your hair. Like That's you know, avoiding these things. Or um, if you ha- it, and or if you have to wash your hair, blow dry it. Okay, now you can go. <laughs> make sure you dry, make sure you dry your scalp. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say like, and how ingrained these are into the culture is is really good, and I think we we have a lot to learn um, in the Western side, and you know, a lot. A lot of opportunity to teach, to teach the younger, the younger generation about this. Yeah, yeah. I think coming from like a, a west, not a west, not a completely westernized household. Um, well, not a completely uh, westernized. I, I come from a completely well, westernized house. Well, yeah, I figured. Um, but like coming from like a, <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine. I mean, anyway, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, considering it's the logical answer. <laughs> I could go in on that, but I'm not going to. Anyway, um, coming from like a. Um, a little bit more westernized uh, like half westernized half um, Asian household it's like uh, when you when when you hear those type of uh, traditions where it's oh well yeah sorry intertwined um, lifestyle aspects that are deemed as like a little bit more Asian you tend to be like ah oh, you know they're they're whatever but then when as I started learning Chinese medicine I'm like oh wait hold on that's 
more that's that makes sense in the Chinese medicine terms and it, I didn't know I, I thought it was just a Asian weird lifestyle thing but it actually makes sense in Chinese medicine wise especially with um especially with periods I mean I have four sisters so like they all had very uh set rules about um what what to do and what not to do whilst on the periods <laughs> and stuff you know that 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 does that does sound a little bit uh like they would crack it at me which they would but you know <laughs> i i hear a little bit of fear in your voice there B. oh you just shaking look uh let's not a little just, bit of ptsd i mean i can't no all right, i'm gone no I'm, I'm time to wrap it up <laughs> yeah no i'm getting scared now I'm you're getting gone shivers. we're gone my lip my lips starting to quiver now i can't talk properly <laughs> all right and on that note um Thanks for listening to our chat about endometriosis. Hope you learned something or, um, yeah, if you want to share anything with us, head to our Facebook discussion group. Don't forget to like and follow around Facebook. Um, and, and as always, we're the Forever Young Podcast and we'll hear from you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.